The following pre-recorded program is paid for by Carla Swanigan Ministries. Get ready to experience and receive the grace you long for from the heart of God. Welcome to Scandalous Grace with Carla Swanigan. Carla is a wife and mother, international speaker, minister, and engaging storyteller known for her transparency with an impactful testimony of how God has transformed her own life. Her desire is to connect you with the heart of God and the truth of how he truly loves and sees you. If you're hurt, if you're broken, if you yearn for God's love and acceptance, let the healing begin. Now, here's Carla Swanigan. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Scandalous Grace. I am Carla Swanigan, and this is the show where we leave religion out of it and just bring Jesus. I'm so glad you're joining us today. I love the holidays. I love celebrating Jesus's birth. I love being with friends and family. I love everything about Christmas. I know that we've talked on previous shows about sometimes Christmas can be a little stressful. It can be hectic. Um, I think the enemy likes to come and try to steal our joy a little bit and distract away from the, you know, real reason for the season. And that's celebrating the birth of Christ, the best gift ever given to us on this earth by the father. So um, I hope that you're not having a stressful holiday. I hope that you're really able to take a minute, even today, even right now, and just take a deep breath and, and breathe them in and um, just let the Holy Spirit encourage you and, and minister to you. I even had to do that myself this morning because things were just a little hectic at home and, and with everything going on. And um, I just said, Lord, help me to keep my eyes on you. Help me to remember what we're really doing here in this season and what Christmas is all about. And one thing that Christmas is all about to me and that we're going to talk about on the show today is giving. You know, the Bible says that it's better to give than to receive. And that's really what I want to talk about on the show today. I want us to remember as Christ followers, as believers, you know, we want to model our lives after Jesus. We want to remember that when Jesus walked the earth, he was so generous. He was always giving to someone, healing someone, stopping to notice the least of these. And so that's our scripture focus for today. If you have your Bibles handy or your Bible app on your phone, I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 25, Matthew 25, verse 34 through 40. I'm going to be reading from the passion translation. And if you've listened to my show at all ever before, you know that that is absolutely one of my favorite translations of the Bible. Um, It's the way I like to read the Bible in the mornings and just really connect with the Lord because this translation speaks straight to my heart. It's so easy to understand and it does exactly what the title says. It, it kind of gives me the passion to get in the word and read the word. So I encourage you, if you haven't checked out the passion translation, check it out. Um, I just love it. And so we're going to be in Matthew 25 verse 34 through 40. Then the king will turn to those on his right and say, you have a special place in my father's heart. Come and experience the full inheritance of the kingdom realm that has been destined for you from before the foundation of the world. For when you saw me hungry, you fed me. When you found me thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I had no place to stay, you invited me in. And when I was poorly clothed, you covered me. When I was sick, you tenderly cared for me. And when I was in prison, you visited me. Then the godly will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty 
and give you food and something to drink? When did we see you with no place to stay and invite you in? When did we see you poorly clothed and cover you? When did we see you sick and tenderly care for you or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them. Don't you know? When you cared for one of the least important of these, my little ones, my true brothers and sisters, you demonstrated love for me. And I just love that passage. I love how pretty much basically for me, Jesus just lays it out, what he's asking us to do there. He asks to give food to the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, clothe the poor and help the homeless have shelter and visit those who are in prison and those who are in the hospital sick. I love it. I mean, it's, it's pretty clear and pretty basic what Jesus is asking us as his followers to do. And I know that sometimes things can get really complicated and, and we can look at scripture and, and try to dig down deep and break it apart and see what the, the, um, the deeper meaning is. And I get that. That's important, you know, to study the word and get revelation from the Holy spirit and, and other theologians and scholars. But for me and this passage, it is quite clear what Jesus is asking me to do. He's asking me to do all those things to feed the hungry, give water to the thirsty, clothe the homeless and shelter them, visit the sick in the hospital and visit those that are in prison. Um, you know, in that scripture, it talks about giving to the least of these caring for the least of these, the marginalized. And I looked up that definition when I was studying this, cause I really wanted to see, well, what does that mean? What does it mean to marginalize someone? And I looked it up and it says to marginalize is to treat a person or a group as insignificant or peripheral. And I was like, whoa, (laughs) I don't ever want to marginalize anyone. I mean, I don't ever want anyone to feel insignificant or unimportant or out on the peripheral. But I can see how as a human being, I've I've probably done that in the past, even um, accidentally. I think um, one of the ways that, we do that as a society, maybe with not even realizing it is the first group I thought of is sometimes like the elderly, the people in nursing homes. Um, I remember being little and growing up in my Southern Baptist church in Mississippi. And one of the things that we did in our youth group was we went to our local um, nursing home, home for the elderly. I think they call it, it's more of like an assisted living type thing that they call it now. But when I was little, it was called the nursing home back in the eighties when I was growing up. But, um, we used to go and visit them. And I remember you guys, how incredibly grateful those men and women in that nursing home were to see us. Every time we came, we went, I believe it was about once a month, maybe twice a month. I can't remember for sure, but they were always so excited to see us. And our, our youth director, would assign a couple of us. They would like assign us buddies or whatever that they called them. And we would visit that same man and lady, um, every time we went. So we kind of built a relationship with them over the year. And then at Christmas time, we would take them gifts and we would sing Christmas carols. And you guys, they would, they would cry, you know, when the whole youth group would come and, and sing to them and just love on them. And I could tell, I mean, even as a little girl, I could sense how lonely they were. 
And when we would give them our gifts, it was usually something that we had made or a picture we had drawn for them or, you know, something we had cross-stitched them. And it would just touch their hearts, you guys. It would just bless them so much. And they would have a little gift for us. And it would just be a sweet time of fellowship and, and just loving on them like Jesus and making them feel seen and appreciated and valued. And I, I know that that's what Jesus was calling us to do then. And I know that that's what he's still calling us to do now. Um, so I don't know if you have an elderly person in your life that could use a visit from you or if you have a nursing home in your neighborhood, but that is a way that you can really show the love of Jesus, especially this holiday season, because I think you would be surprised to find out how many of the people in the nursing home may not have any family visiting them this Christmas season or even throughout the holidays. And you might surprise yourself and and build a really cool relationship with someone that you meet there. So um, just a practical thing to do is, you know, Google what's what nursing homes are in your neighborhood, what assisted living places you could volunteer at, or even sign up for monthly or weekly visits. That would be a huge blessing to them. And that's just a way that you can do what this verse right here in Matthew 25 commands us to do. And that's to love on and give to the least of these, especially right now during the holiday season. So when we go back to that definition of marginalize to treat a person or a group as insignificant or peripheral, I wanted to like dig a little deeper even on that. And so I looked up insignificant and it says too small or unimportant to be worth consideration. And that stung a little bit too. I don't, again, like when you hear it laid out that clearly, I know all of you listening would agree. You don't ever want anyone to feel that way. The other definition is a person without power or influence. And then the final definition of insignificant is meaningless. And so to treat or a person to treat a person or a group as insignificant means to, to treat them as unimportant, to tell them that they're, they have no influence or power and that they're meaningless. And again, I don't ever want anybody to feel that way. And Jesus always made people feel valued and seen and important. Um, another really cool thing that the Lord lets me do when it comes to this verse, you know, it talks in this verse about when I was in prison, you visited me. One of my favorite things in the world to do is jail ministry. I absolutely love it. I, um, it's something that I've been blessed to be able to do for many years now. And you guys, I just want you to know If you're thinking about volunteering for your local jail or um, prison ministry, even I cannot encourage you enough to do it. It is the place where I feel the presence of God the most. You know, it reminds me a lot of people say, you know, I bet it's scary. You know, I don't think I could do that. You know what? Get before the Lord and pray because I bet you could do it. You know, God gives us the grace to do the things that, that he's calling us to do. And I know for me, that when I walk in there, you would think it would be the darkest place and, and all that. And maybe it is, you know, maybe it is really dark there, but I tell you what, the King of the universe lives on the inside of me and on the inside of you. And we bring his kingdom and his light everywhere we go. And the darker it is, you guys, the brighter our light shines. And that's what we're called to do. You know, it says in Proverbs nineteen seven, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his deed. And it says also 
in Proverbs, and this is one of my favorites, Proverbs 11, 24, 25. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. But whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. And another translation of that, the way I actually memorized that verse, says, says it like this. Those that bring refreshing will they themselves be refreshed also. And that's what happens to me when I go to the jail. I go in there, you guys, with whatever message the Lord has put on my heart. And I go in, and the girls and I, we do worship music. And, and they get so moved by the Holy Spirit with the worship music because they don't get really music in jail. So they love that. And the worship music just brings his peace. And that kingdom atmosphere that we talked about. And then we do the message and I share with them from the word, whatever the Lord has put on my heart for that week. And then at the end, I take their prayer requests. And it's such a beautiful time, you guys, because by this time they've worshiped the Lord. They've heard the word and their hearts are softened for whatever God wants to do that day. um, A lot of the new girls will give their life to the Lord for the very first time. And then there's other girls that are that are coming back to the Lord that knew the Lord when they were little and maybe walked away from him and they're coming back to him. And it's such a beautiful thing to see. But then at the end, every week, my favorite part of the whole time with them is I go around the room and I take prayer requests and I pray for the girls right then and there. I take a note so that I can pray for them when I get home. But I also pray aloud for them because I want them to hear um, God's heart for them and my prayers. I want them to know how he values them and how he sees them and how he treasures them, how precious they are to him. And it really makes a huge difference. Um, some of these girls, gosh, they've never had anybody pray for them, much less pray for them out loud. You know how we do the whole, um, even when we're praying for each other, we'll say to each other, okay, I'll keep you in prayer, friend. You know, th- those girls may be used to somebody saying that to them. Okay, I'll pray for you. See you later. Bye. But to have somebody actually pray for them out loud, I think really ministers the love of Jesus to their heart and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And it just, it really breaks through. It softens their heart in general, but especially towards the Lord. So I'll go around the room and I'll take prayer requests. And without fail, one of the biggest prayer requests is always, they, they want me to pray for their children that um, are on the outside, either with family members or some of them, their children have been placed in foster care of some kind since their parents are in jail. But they always want me to pray that that their kids are safe and well taken care of and that they know mom loves them. And then the second prayer request, the biggest prayer request I've had over many years of going there is they always ask for me to pray for when they get released. And their prayer request is, you know, pray for me, Carla, when I get out because I have nowhere to go. I'm going back to the same exact situation that got me here in the first place or for most of them, the same exact, um, Family members are friends that may have um, been part of their addiction are part of the reason that they got arrested. Just the, the whole um, illegal part of why we're there while they're there in the first place while they're incarcerated. So they asked me, you know, please pray for me because I'm going back to that very same situation. And over the years, over time, that's just always really broken my heart. And I've asked the Lord, I just felt like he put a burden on my heart to pray about that for them. You know, even outside of my ministry time there at the jail, but 
when I would get home, I would find myself, my mind drifting back and my heart drifting back to the things that they had, they had requested prayer for that day. And especially the prayer requests that they would have someplace to go, some kind of new, new beginning of any kind, a safe place to start over. And so I just started praying about that. And I said, Lord, if this is something that, that you want me to help you with and partner with your kingdom to bring heaven to earth, I really want to do that. What does that look like? And that's when God began to talk to me about the chrysalis house. Now, for those of you who've heard me um, talk about the chrysalis house before, you can find out information about the chrysalis house on my webpage, carlaswanigan.com. And that's Carla with the K. But basically, the chrysalis house is the blueprint. It's the vision. It's the heart um, dream that the Lord has given me for those girls at the jail to have a place to go when they get out. And the dream for the chrysalis house is to have a safe home where they can come as soon as they get released. They, it's all by choice. It's not a halfway house. It's not part of their sentence. It's not a probation situation. This is a place that they're going to, they're going to be able to choose to come to once they're finished serving their time. And at this house, we want to give them a faith based, fresh start. We want a place where they can learn more about Jesus. You know, a lot of the girls in jail and prison come to the Lord for the very first time while they're in jail. You know, the Lord really moves on their heart while they're there. And like I said earlier, other girls come back to the Lord. But this is a place where they will be able to build a strong, firm foundation in the Lord. They'll we'll have Bible studies. We'll have times of worship. We'll take them to church. So it will be a place where they can learn all about the Lord, but also the chrysalis house is going to be a place where they can get the practical help and step up that they need for a fresh start. You know, we're going to give them, um, a place to, to learn and train to take their GED. If they still need their GED, we're going to do some skills training for jobs. We're going to help them get connected with their probation officer and their foster care support. If they're trying to get their children back out of foster care and what that looks like. And what steps they need to take for that to happen. And we're also, a lot of these girls have never been to the dentist, you guys. They've never, ever had the opportunity or the financial means to see a dentist. They've never had their teeth cleaned. On top of that, they've never been to the doctor. A lot of them have never seen a female doctor. They've never been to a gynecologist. They've never gotten the kind of checkups and the health check-ins that, that most of us maybe take for granted. And so we want to do those type of things. We want to give them the practical and the spiritual. We're going to have um, lots of volunteers there to help mentor these women, um, even balancing a checkbook, you know, dressing for success, um, how to sit through a job interview and succeed and get the job. You know, those kind of practical things. Those are just a few of the, the plans that we have for the Chrysalis House. But this is. This is the dream that God has put on my heart. And this is the way that he has asked me and my ministry and my team of people and the volunteers that so lovingly help me with KSM. This is what he's put on our heart to do. So this is a real big dream makes it real clear to me that it's a God thing. It's not something that I can do on my own. I mean, first of all, we need a house for these girls to come to. So if anybody listening has a house, they want to donate carlaswanigan.com. That's Carla with the K hook a girl up. Let me know. But also we have a way on my website where you can do just what it says here in Matthew chapter 25. You can give to the least of these. You know, would you please consider us for your year in giving? 
It's all tax deductible. There is a tab on my website page that you can go to that tells you all about the Chrysalis House Fund and how we're trying to raise money for that. There, there's a button on there where you can donate right through the website, through PayPal, through your bank account. You can also mail a check. And our address, our mailing address, our P.O. box is on there as well. But I know that this time of year, people are wondering, you know, how can I give back? How can I donate and it be a tax deductible thing? And I would just ask that you would please consider us. You know, I wanted to mention some other great um, places to to kind of walk through this, even if you don't want to you know, do what it says in Matthew 25, as far as like visiting the jail yourself, like I do, maybe you're just like, yeah, that's not for me. You can donate to somebody who is doing that like us, or you can donate to so many other great ministries that are out there doing the work. You know, some of us are called to be a part of it and be in the mix and actually be feet on the ground. And others of us are called to pray and donate our prayers and our finances to those that are doing the ministry. Um, I think about, the homeless a lot too, when I read this verse and I think about ministries like Habitat for Humanity and Salvation Army and all the great work that they're doing. And it reminds me of a story years ago, I was doing feeding of the homeless downtown Denver. And I think it was associated with the Denver rescue mission. They're another great place to put your money and your prayers and your time and volunteer. But at the Denver rescue mission one year on Thanksgiving morning, I went with some friends from my church and we were feeding the homeless a big Thanksgiving meal and giving out coats and gloves. And I remember seeing this man and he was like, just like it says in the scripture, he was kind of out on the peripheral of the group. He was standing aside. He wasn't lined up with the rest of the folks that were there to get the donations and to get the hot meal. He's kind of standing off to the side. And I just felt like, you know, maybe he was really lonely or scared to kind of interact with us and such a big group. So, you know, it was clear to me that he was homeless and that he could use the hot meal. So I fixed him a plate towards the end of serving everyone when I could step out of the line. And I walked over to him and I said, Hey, I'm, I'm Carla. What's your name? And he said, I'm Scott. And I said, it's nice to meet you, Scott. Um, I made you a hot plate. I thought you might be hungry. And he's like, yeah, I really appreciate that. And I just stood there. I handed him the plate And I just stood there and and talked to him and just kind of asked him his story, asked him if he felt like sharing with me, you know, any part of his story and what brought him to Denver and what brought him there today. And and he kind of shared with me how he ended up in that situation. And and it was a mental health thing for him. And and he had trouble holding down a job and, and he had trouble making his medical appointments. So he couldn't stay on his meds. And I mean, it was a heartbreaking story. And I just listened to him. And then I asked him. You know, Scott, I would love to, we've got some warm coats and gloves and hats that I would love for you to come over and, and let me size you for and get you all set for winter. Cause it was a really cold day on Thanksgiving that year. This was several, several years ago, but he walked over with me. And then after we got him all fixed up with his outfit and his warm clothes, I asked him, and I was kind of scared you guys to be honest, because I didn't think I didn't want him to think that I was trying to, you know, push Jesus on him. But I just really felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to offer to pray for him. So I said, Scott, you know, would you be interested? Could I possibly pray for you? And he said, yes. And he said, I usually don't like people to do that. I don't want them to do that. He said, but you're the first person who's listened to me 
or ask me anything about myself in a really long time. And you guys, that just broke my heart. I encourage you, if if you run into a homeless person, if you see somebody that is obviously in need, whether you're out downtown or even around your own neighborhood, um, especially this holiday season, even if you don't want to give them money, I know people have their own opinions. Everybody has a different opinion about whether or not we should give them money, and that's between you and the Lord. But I encourage you, at the very least, just stop and stop and say hello. Take a minute. Take a minute and think like Jesus did in the Bible. Help them not to feel marginalized. Help them not to feel insignificant. Take a minute and talk to them. Introduce yourself. Just start there and say, hi, I'm Joe or I'm Susie or whatever. Like I did, just say, hi, I'm Carla. What's your name? Just asking them their name makes them feel seen and heard and treasured by Jesus. And that's that's what we're supposed to be all about, you guys. Sharing the love of Jesus. Pray for them if they'll let you. But most of all, just let them be seen by you and love on them like Jesus. You guys, I encourage you to give to the least of these this season, pour out the love of Jesus. I think it's the greatest way that we can honor him and acknowledge him during this Christmas time and and show our gratitude for the, his birth and the gift that he is to us. You can find out more about me and my ministry. Carlaswanigan.com is my website. We would love to hear from you. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. And remember, you guys, leave religion out of it and just bring Jesus. We hope you were blessed by today's episode of Scandalous Grace with Carlos Swanigan. Please go to carloswanigan.com to listen to podcasts, see where Carla will be speaking, and to find out about all of Carla Swanigan Ministries' resources, including her video devotional series. Scandalous Grace with Carla Swanigan is a listener-supported radio ministry outreach. We depend on your prayers and donations. Please go to carloswanigan.com for ways you can partner with Carla in reaching listeners with God's love and grace. Please join us again next Saturday at 4 p.m. for Scandalous Grace with Carla Swanigan.